Well, I'd like to invite you to open up to a, a different book of the Bible this evening as we begin to look at 1 Thessalonians. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, we'll look at uh, verses 1 through 10. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 1 through 10. And we'll have a bit of background before we begin reading. And before that, uh, a prayer for illumination. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Glorious God, who spoke through your servants and preserved your word for your people, uh, grant us wisdom and strength as we listen. Help us to understand, to believe, and to seek to, to live according to your word. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So a bit of background before I begin reading at verse 1 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. We, we first learn of the church here in Thessalonica. We hear of it in Acts chapter 17 when, when Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they, they travel and they're traveling in the province of Macedonia about 90 miles south of the first city they were in. Uh, in Philippi. Uh, they were kind of chased out of Philippi, if you recall. Paul finds a synagogue in, in Thessalonica, and with Paul's credentials, we remember that you know, he kind of has his PhD in Old Testament studies. He, he is a trained Pharisee. He's allowed to read the scriptures in the synagogue in Thessalonica. He's allowed to, to preach. And Paul explains, and while he's speaking, he proves from the Old Testament that it was necessary for the promised Christ to suffer and rise from the dead. Paul goes on to declare to this, this synagogue who's not heard about Jesus, he declares that Jesus is the Christ, this Jesus of Nazareth. And the result of Paul's preaching, we're told in Acts 17, a few Jews and many Gentiles believe. And quite a number of prominent women, we're told. So by God's grace and through the power of the gospel, the, the church in Thessalonica is born. Now they're, they're just learning. They don't have the New Testament Bible, right, kids? It, it hadn't been written yet. And unfortunately, Paul, their, their preacher and their teacher and, and missionary, is soon kind of chased out of town, out of Thessalonica. There were jealous Jews who round up uh, some shady characters who form a mob that goes looking for Paul who along with Silas and Timothy kind of sneak out of town and they head further south down to the city of Corinth. And they find safety there. But Paul has not forgotten about this, this young little church in Thessalonica. They're young Christians. Will they, will they keep the faith? They haven't had much teaching. Or might they go back to the synagogue and and start denying Jesus is the Messiah, will they knuckle under the pressure and the persecution and, and maybe give in to the false religions of Thessalonica and turn their, their backs on, on Jesus, who 
Who is the Christ? Will this church survive? Paul's concern is real as he he takes action, we find, as we read into this letter, and he has sent Timothy to go and see how they're doing, how this, this young church in Thessalonica is doing. And when we look ahead in this letter in 1 Thessalonians 3, 6, we find that Timothy returns and he brings Paul good news that this young church is living out their faith in love. Yet they do have some questions too. And in order to encourage and and instruct and, and answer those questions, what Paul does is he writes a letter. That's what we find with much of the New Testament. They're, they're letters written in response to questions that are asked or, or maybe some things that have come up in churches and congregations that, that Paul has ministered to or other apostles. And he writes this letter to the Thessalonians. And the letter, as we often find with Paul's letters, begins with a thanksgiving. A thanksgiving. So let's begin 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning at verse 1. Hear the very word of God. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, Mentioning you in our prayers, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit. And with deep conviction, you know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia, Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it. For they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. This is the word of the Lord. You know, maybe as a parent, uh, at one time you've written a letter. Today, maybe an email. Uh, Maybe you've written it to a son or a daughter heading off to, who knows, maybe college or into the military, and you're concerned maybe uh, about their Christian faith as they now live away from home if they're on a, a campus of a large university or even a Christian college or a military base. You're no longer around to to encourage them or or to advise them. As he or she continues to grow as a a child of God and now is making choices on their own. Maybe it's a son heading off into the military and we wonder how will his faith be tested? 
How might persecution come to this uh, young son of ours? Like Paul, we know what it is to be maybe concerned for family or, or friends whose, whose spiritual legs maybe are a, a little bit wobbly. And we're not there to encourage or instruct or to walk alongside them so that they can lean on us in the Christian faith when, the, when society and the culture is pushing against God's will, God's word, God's ways. And we might wonder, how is that nephew doing that we, we haven't seen since Thanksgiving? Is he going to church? How are the adult grandkids getting along in their, their Christian walk? What are they doing on the weekends in that city far away? How about our, our college students on university campuses? in the midst of the sexual revolution in our own society, maybe like Paul, you even wrote them a letter. Paul writes to his dear brothers and sisters in Christ, a letter, and as with most of Paul's letters, he he starts with a a section which we call the thanksgiving section. And he, he uses his thanksgiving section as kind of a table of contents. In his thanksgiving, you'll find a a lot of nuggets of of the stuff that will come up later in the letter. It's almost like a a preview, a a trailer to a movie. We get a taste of of what the movie's about. So even in this thanksgiving section, we get a taste of, of what's to come later in the letter to the Thessalonians. Paul's thanksgiving begins giving thanks both for what he saw when the church was first planted and gives thanks presently as the church surprisingly continues to grow. Maybe not so surprisingly. It is a work of God. And he thanks, gives thanks for both, for what he saw in the continued growth. The thanks goes to the Almighty, to the one who is doing this work. So first, the thanks to God for growing his church. So first in verses 1 through 5, thanks to God for growing his church. So Paul is is south of Thessalonica. He's down in Corinth right now. And he's anxious about this, this baby church, if you will, in Thessalonica. Would they endure the suffering and persecution? He, he wasn't with them that long. The Jews who, who ran Paul out of town in Thessalonica, will they now make life miserable for these Christians? Would these young Christians go back to idolatry? Many of them were told were Gentiles. But when Timothy reports back from Thessalonica to Paul in chapter 3, verse 6, he brings great news of this young church, and, and Paul is thankful. Verse 2 tells us he's thankful to God. As Paul reflects on, on their work produced by faith, their labor prompted by love, their endurance inspired by hope in Jesus, Paul knows their faith, hope, and love is ultimately God's work in them. I mean, look at, at verses 4 and 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you 
Because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction. God, God's chosen them. It is a work of God in them with his power. And that is why Paul rightly gives thanks to God. Remembering, witnessing a a congregation's faith and, and hope and love. Thanksgiving is what brings us together this evening as we give thanks to God today. We worship the one true God who builds his church here and around the globe. We see evidence of God working, working through Paul here, working in the Thessalonians. And it started long ago before creation with God's electing, God's choosing. God chose, we're told, the Thessalonians. Don't we give thanks to God for our church and church family for the church. As young and old stand shoulder to shoulder singing and confessing their faith in Jesus Christ and the words of the Apostles' Creed, I believe. And when we need help and our, our church family is there for us, is praying for us, is, is helping us when rides or, or care is needed, for someone who's not able to drive at at this time, and people willingly volunteer. People roll up their sleeves and and help others out as we celebrate answers to prayers. Uh, Perhaps as maybe the flu and the cold as we're healed or when treatments are effective or when surgeries go well and recovery happens, and good reports come from a regular medical exam, we give thanks to God. When offerings are taken for those in need, for people we've, we've never met, thanksgiving to God is given. And don't we think that there are people giving thanks to God in ministries around the world from people we've never met in whom we may never meet this side of glory, were supported by a congregation in Princeburg, Minnesota, not only with their offerings, but, but also with their prayers, who are supported maybe by young people who grow up in the Christian faith and then go off into the mission field. We give thanks to God when Christian sons and daughters Maybe honor their father and mother as they're taking care of them in the latter years of their life. As couples celebrate beyond their their immediate family the birth of a child. First Church of Prinsburg, continue in your faith and your hope and your love for one another. Continue to to write those encouraging cards that people give to Maybe Bible study or or youth group or gems or cadet leaders. We're thankful for one another. We encourage one another. We pray for one another. We give cards and congratulate the newlyweds and graduates. We celebrate birthdays and anniversaries and we continue to volunteer our time and use our gifts. Uh, Maybe to serve coffee and cookies in Valley Park. 
young people serving potatoes, and more importantly, serving ice cream sundaes. We use our gifts and we show our faith and our hope and our love in so many different ways. Maybe as we lead in, in a group or participate in a group or serve on a committee, we continue to stop in and say hi or, or call on a member and, and just to see how they are doing. And, and maybe they don't live in our area anymore. We know we have those who live closer to family in different parts of the country that we can continue to check in on. Say, hey, we were thinking about you. I was praying for you. Not because these works are, are earning our salvation, but as those chosen by God whose love towards your neighbors flows out of, out of the thankfulness and the gratitude for, for what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. This Thanksgiving harvest of, of the first fruit of, of faith and hope and love inspires others to, to praise God as well as they see evidence of God's work in and through His people, don't underestimate the visits, the meals, the cards, the, the rides, the prayers. As people receive them, and in their devotions, they give thanks to God for you. And then Paul includes in the thanksgiving in verse 5, you know how we lived among you for your sake. At first, this blip seems a little out of place, maybe, and in Paul's Thanksgiving sections, you, you know how we lived among you, but we remember that Paul uses his, his Thanksgiving section, again, as a kind of a preview of what's to come in the letter, and Paul is going to be defending himself a little bit later in this letter. His integrity, his conduct in, in Thessalonica seems to be under attack by some, so he's going to answer some of those things. He's thankful, and despite others accusing Paul of being maybe kind of a slick, scamming shyster, the Thessalonians know how Paul lived among them for their sake. They saw, heard, witnessed firsthand what Paul's like. So, yeah, Paul's not there right now. He's gone, but... There's people accusing him of being a certain way. And he's saying, no, no, you know me. I lived among you. Paul lets his record stand to, to defend the accusations others make against him because his record, his life, matches the faith that he lives and professes from God's word. God's word guides Paul, guides his preaching, and, and matches his actions. You know, sometimes... Pastors can be misunderstood. We think it comes out one way and, and it maybe came out another way or was heard differently. Maybe are thought of not to care. And, and people say things about uh, maybe a pastor's conduct. Hopefully, people can say, well, you know, I, I know that pastor. He isn't, he isn't cold. He isn't heartless. He does care. I've seen it. And we view people more based on what we know firsthand than, than maybe the, the rumors or the assumptions that people can make. Maybe you've had that, where, where people kind of just had a first impression of somebody and, and you said, no, 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 I know that person. They, that is not what they're like. Maybe he did forget the anniversary chocolates the other week, but that, 
You know, it certainly doesn't mean your husband of, of 63 years doesn't love you. People are picking at things in Paul's past. They're pointing out that he hasn't been around lately. He was chased out of town. And they kind of are accusing him of just scamming the Thessalonians like a, maybe a crooked televangelist trying to take their money. And Paul defends himself by calling them to remember how he lived among them. Now, would that be a good defense for you and me? Somebody says, boy, I I think so-and-so is kind of like this. Could someone say, well, no, I know that person. I know how he lives, how she acts. Paul's thanksgiving points to his his need to defend himself and, and clear the air before encouraging them in the Christian faith. So he reminds them of God's work among them, as well as how Paul, Silas, and Timothy lived and, and worked among them. And we're thankful not only for God's work among us, but, but for our work together. We are thankful as we remember how those God's placed around us live. And not only is Paul thankful for the past, the good start that Thessalonica has as a, a, a young congregation, but also the fruit these newborn Christians begin to bear in the midst of severe prosecution, persecution. Secondly, Paul's thankful to God for their changed lives. So secondly, thankful for your changed lives in verses 6 through 10. Because God chose you and the gospel came to you in the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul says you were changed. How? You You became imitators of us and the Lord. These Thessalonian Christians aren't simply impressionable men or women emotionally moved for, uh, you know, a few hours by the lights being dimmed and, and the organ being played softly as an evangelist pleads with them to come forward. And then, you know, the next day or two or three, it was back to business as usual. Paul's thankful because in spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia, in the whole region, and in Achaia. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they're planting the gospel message like a, a seed, and like a tree, God God is making it grow. A Thanksgiving harvest of a spiritual fruit is, is already taking place in this young church. And Paul is, is thankful to God for it. Not just for fair weather fruit, but for fruit that we'll find is born out of adversity. I mean, maybe we remember the, the parable that, that Jesus told kids about the soils. Do you remember that one? The four different types of soils? Remember the rocky soil. Those, those hearers who, who hear the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in the time of testing, we're told, they, they kind of fall away. The Thessalonians are standing firm in spite of severe suffering. Their joy wasn't crushed under persecution, and their suffering 
God makes them continue to grow. Isn't that amazing? Don't we find it amazing when we hear from some reports that one of the fastest growing churches or in the the country where it's growing the fastest is Iran, where there is so much persecution. And we marvel at the power of God. So we see God growing faith that costs these new believers. Paul's thankful in the midst of these trials as he hears this report from Timothy. There is reason to to give thanks. And isn't that reason for thanksgiving is, is we too see children that maybe we've taught and we've trained we prayed for not only professing their faith, but, but living that, that faith out in a world where, where it is not popular to be a Christian. Many young adults at college worshiping on the Lord's Day. Young parents making sacrifices to raise their children in the, the covenant promises that they, they made at a baptismal font. The promises they made before God. We gather thankful to God for, for changed lives as we marvel at how God worked in us by grace. As we look back and think of maybe the struggles we had in, in younger years as leaders, parents, and grandparents, uncles and aunts, counselors and teachers, as, as well as adults in the family of God, it, it's important that we also live lives that are worth imitating. Down in the council room, we were marveling at the, the good work among the cadets and how it's growing and how we have the privilege of mentoring these, these boys and young men. What a privilege it is and how we are to live lives that are, are worth imitating. Others learn from us how how Christians live in this world. Not just on Sunday, a couple hours a week, or during devotions at our Thanksgiving meal, but but at work, school, the tone, the patience we show, how we deal with, with one another, how we react to a dented fender after backing into something less flexible than your car. When the furnace or the hot water heater dies the same day the property tax bill is due, how do we react, mom and dad? What are our kids learning? Young people, when the smartphone really does seem to have a mind of its own, how do we live and respond when things aren't going so smoothly? You know, maybe there can be different forms of persecution in our day and age. It can be difficult when old friends stop calling, maybe stop asking you to join them in things that that do not glorify God as your life in the Lord changes. Trials and persecution can come precisely because we do follow Christ. As you give thanks for for healthy kids and the gift of God's Son, for food and water. If you want to pray before a meal and 
Some in your group kind of smirk or cool towards you as you give thanks to God. Maybe your get-together with family is hard because only a few around the table share these beliefs. The majority of your relatives are more interested in discussing their adventures at the bar last night than gathering to worship God. It can be hard as you grow in your faith and you find maybe close friends, relatives who are not and really don't want to be around you because it reminds them. Thanksgiving for God's work and you, even when it hurts, as his friends maybe hit the movie they know you wouldn't approve of and therefore maybe leave you out of the plans for the evening. A friend who wants to hit happy hour after school or work stops including you because they just don't want you to remind them of how there needs to be moderation. The roommate who wants to change roommates because they're tired of, ha- of you asking them to join you for church on Sunday mornings. It can be difficult during that time of turning your life to God away from some of the world's ways when your relationships cool towards you. Paul's thankful as the Thessalonians become a model to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. And in fact, the Lord's message even rang out from them. Paul says, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, your faith in God has become known everywhere. How awesome would that be to read in a letter from the Apostle? You know, in the young adult singles Bible study I I attended years ago, I, I remember the Thanksgiving as the leaders of that Bible study would reflect on the, the number of, of members who were kind of growing as they studied God's Word, and, and many of them left careers to serve in mission fields and in different parts of the world. They could see changes in these young people in their, their 20s. They, they heard their professions, and, and later they found themselves reading their newsletters from places like Nigeria and Kenya and India and elsewhere of the Lord's message of the gospel ringing out from, from these uh, young people who had been transformed by God's word. And, and this message was now ringing out around the world. And they would give thanks, uh, not for the Bible study and, and not for the young adults, but to the God who is working so powerfully through his word. Paul's thankful for this, this young Thessalonian congregation he planted within the last year and a half likely. He's thankful for the good report that Timothy brings back to Paul, but also there's questions that need to be answered. People are, are wondering why Paul hasn't, why haven't he come back to visit us? If he loves us so much, why isn't he here? People are spreading some rumors, it would seem, about Paul that he's this shyster, maybe a con man scamming believers out of money and There are concerns that this this band of brothers and sisters in Christ have over their suffering. Paul's touching on these in the midst of his thanksgiving, and, and he'll go into depth further on these issues, but let's notice that there are always things going on in churches, and there are 
misunderstandings that are, are going on, even with the Apostle Paul as the church planter. Differences and misunderstandings with leaders and, and, and congregations. Struggles with, with society and how do we live in this world. Suffering that makes Christians wonder, you know, why, why is this happening? This isn't a, a perfect church in Thessalonica. It's church. And they didn't live in a perfect, pain-free world, and neither do we. It may not come to a shock to, to too many of you that this, uh, too, is not a perfect church. And you say, well, yeah, and we were doing pretty well until we called you here, but we are sinners. And we need to see here in this letter that there are struggles in congregations with, with congregations and leadership. And, and that's been going on since the beginning. And until Christ returns, it will continue to go on. We, we continue to maybe hear in, in different congregations of, of struggles that are happening. And, and they do happen. But we continue to look to God's word, to pray, to to try to be patient with one another and forgive one another and, and redirect each other as need be. Maybe as a parent, as I began, you've written that letter to the son or daughter heading off to college and, and maybe you're concerned about them in their Christian faith. They're kind of young. They're just moving out of your house onto a large university campus. You're not around to encourage and advise them as they Continue to grow as children of God and mature. Maybe it's a son heading off to the military and we wonder, boy, when his faith is tested, how will he do? When persecution comes, how will she respond? Paul's concern for this, this little congregation that he was with for a time, he's, he's concerned that his, his labor pains may come to nothing, so he has sent Timothy who reports great news of how this little congregation continues. And Paul writes a letter. And he begins with thanksgiving. As these newly born-again Christians continue to grow in their faith in the midst of persecution, we too ought to give thanks as we look around. As we see covenant children singing God's praises, young people confessing their faith in Christ, as aging saints persevere despite the suffering and the illnesses they're going through. And we're strengthened as we read Paul's letter, which is God's divinely inspired word that's written to not only encourage the church in Thessalonica 2,000 years ago, but to encourage the church in Prinsburg, Minnesota in 2024. And we give thanks to God for his continued work in us, showing up in different ways as the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we give thanks to you for the church, for we know that by your power you have created it, that you build it, 
that you form the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you have chosen a people before the foundations of the earth, and you continue to, to raise people from death to life in your Son. Father, may we continue to grow in our faith and our hope and our love. May it be a beacon of light in this lost and, and dark world. And may we always, as we see things happening around us, give thanks to you. For to you alone belongs the glory and honor and praise. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.